Hello everybody, I'm Martin Calvert, Marketing Director here at ICS Digital and ICS Translate. This is the Everything Digital podcast. Today I'm joined by my colleague Laura Smith, who is Digital PR Director here at ICS Digital. So yeah, welcome Laura. Hi. So today we're going to go in-depth on an amplified service offering that we've been uh, developing at ICS. And it's quite an interesting one, um, relates to the field of digital PR, as you might expect. Um, and it's one of these areas that comes in for a lot of attention because of the, um, I guess, the creative nature of a lot of campaigns and the, the potential to get, you know, mainstream media coverage, to earn backlinks, to boost SEO, all that type of stuff. But there's a whole range of methods that go into it, and this is a method that we've been particularly pleased to develop further. So it's all about exclusive interviews, use of um, celebrities, notable individuals, athletes, all these type of people, influencers to um, add that element into your creative PR campaigns to earn that media coverage. So I guess to give an introduction to people that may not be familiar with you, Laura, like what do you do at ICS on a day-to-day basis and like what is digital PR? Yeah, of course. So I guess, yeah, what is digital PR? That's probably the first question to answer. Um, So our team is focused on supporting the SEO strategies of our clients by earning backlinks. So when I talk about links, which I probably will (laughs) quite a lot, um, it's when we're working with publishers to secure links to our clients' websites um, and we earn those links um, through sort of creative campaigns um, and those links help to sort of show Google that our clients' websites are trusted and they should rank really well. So anything that we're doing in our team is really focused on securing those links and we need to get coverage in those publications to earn that link as well. So we need to be able to create something that journalists want to write about. Um, so day to day, my role is very sort of focused on strategy, ideation, making sure that the campaigns that we are running make sense for our clients, that they're going to help us get sort of authoritative, relevant links back to the site. Um, and we're really going to be able to hit those objectives for our clients. Um, and then that's sort of directly within our team. But outside of that, I'm working really closely with our head of content, head of SEO, our design and development team to just better package up our digital PR service so we can service loads of different clients in loads of different sectors. And I think that's a trend in the industry as well as having a sharper focus of the role that digital PR has to play in wider SEO campaigns. Um, I mean, it is one of our more glamorous and interesting service lines, you know, the creative element of it. Um, the use of some, you know, quite traditional PR methodologies like press releases and journalist relations and mm-hmm. all that type of stuff, coupled with the, the digital aspect of, um, you know, online outreach, being cognizant of the value of backlinks, the value of online media coverage, the scope to go viral, all that type of stuff that that adds a a bit of extra spice. Um, But with this particular uh, methodology, um, what what is it? Like, what is this enhanced service, um, you know, for interview-based PR? Yeah, so I guess like you mentioned, it's it's working with, I guess, like celebrities, notable names, like people that people will have heard of, who can basically talk on a topic that is relevant to your brand, but you may not have that expert internally. You may not have someone who can speak on those things or someone who's a well-known name. So we find those names that can then sort of talk to your brand and it becomes sort of credited as sort of this person said to your brand and then we can sell in those quotes so we end up with loads of sort of great quotes that we can go out with um, that are relevant to sort of their area of expertise so sport for example um, and go out with those specific quotes that then get credited to your brand and so that's I guess the 
the concept in a nutshell of kind of what we're doing through the service. I mean, it's interesting how a personality, an individual can unlock some coverage versus a, you know, a corporation, you know. Definitely. I think it's easier to relate to an individual than it is to a company. And some of the people we work with, they do seem to have this, you know, incredible instinct for what a headline and a hook is. Um, so what do you I mean, what do you personally like most about it? I mean, I, I do enjoy seeing the different outputs and different uh, spins that come from these interviews, but what do you enjoy most about this technique? Yeah, I think it opens up a lot of opportunity to get um, links and coverage up in loads of different titles so you can really kind of hone in on specifics. So use an example of kind of football, for example, if we were talking to an ex-footballer, we can talk to them about upcoming games that weekend. We can talk to them about specific teams so that we can target regional titles. We can talk to them about specific players to target the sports pages. You know, we can get a lot of quotes out of just half an hour. And we have sort of ex-journalists in our team, so they are really great at coming up with those questions. So it's always quite interesting to see them really flex those skills. So they're sort of really passionate about the sport, but they also have that journalistic kind of mm. view on it. So they can really help to dig and find the story talking to them, which, you know, hopefully allows us to really get those unique stories that then journalists really want to cover. I, mean, I think that's a good kind of discipline for marketing more generally to try and, you know, push at an open door uh, rather than, you know, uh, try and... Uh, inflict some kind of um, campaign that there's no appetite for. I think yeah. with this type of um, approach, where it can be very timely, very specific to what's going on, um, you know, in an upcoming weekend or with a seasonal element, there's a way to make your campaigns fit what journalists need and it makes their lives easier yeah. rather than asking them to do a favour for you. It's, um, you know, an example of genuinely making life easier for journalists and that kind of unlocks not just relationships, but the coverage that we're talking about. 100%. Um, so when it comes to, like, sourcing these interviewees, like, what's the, what's the process? Because there's a, a few different approaches that is possible, I guess. Yeah, so I guess the main the main way that we work with sort of our interviewees is sort of via talent agencies where we've sort of built up really great relationships with them. Um, but the sort of, I guess, before you get to that point, you really need to understand sort of what you want to focus on what your budget is or mm. go to them with an actual brief because you could go to someone and be like, oh, I want to talk to someone in sports and they could give you so many different names for so many different budgets. So realistically, you kind of need to have a bit in your mind sort of what, what sport do we want to focus on? And, you know, we work with our clients to sort of see which sports they want to be ranking for, mm. like which are their priority sports at the moment, where are they going to get the most traffic from, and then look for names sort of within their budget in that area. So setting out that brief, first of all, before you start sort of looking at loads of exciting names is really important. Um, so then we work with the talent agencies, sort of look at who's available, but then really think about kind of the relevance of those people. So, um, for example, if you're working with like ex-coaches or ex-players who sort of played for a number of different clubs, they can often have like really great insight across multiple different teams. <laughs> so, you know, you haven't got sort of one person who, you know, this probably doesn't exist, but someone who only played for Spurs for their whole career and can really only talk about Spurs. That's not actually that helpful. You kind of want someone who can talk about loads of different teams to give you loads of different quotes to go after. So when we're looking through sort of names and opportunities, we're really considering how many different angles we can get out of speaking to that one person. Well, it's also helpful to the talent agency and the, the individuals involved if we do come in with a bit of a brief as well, so they know what their 
potentially signing up for. Yeah. Um, and I, I think if that reduces the timelines for you know turnaround of this type of campaign, which is typically quite quick to activate, mm-hmm. and it is it then becomes more interesting because you can get a better fit of individual, and they're also bought into the concept as well. They know what the gig is. And I think, yeah, your sport example is, is spot on. But, you know, I, I've definitely seen it also, you know, talk about e-commerce and retail and travel, you know, these type of sectors where if you have an individual who can speak authoritatively on a topic and it's a topic they like, mm-hmm. you might get a bit more bang for your buck versus like a traditional brand ambassador who might just be in it for the cash, that type of thing. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes like a brand ambassador, like it's, you know, this they're kind of only involved every now and again or, you know, you're not really getting loads and loads out of them. But through these interviews, you actually have, like, probably at least half an hour of good content that you can then use and kind of chop up and use in different ways. And like you say, if someone's sort of excited about that topic and passionate about mm. it, that's going to then come across in those quotes and ultimately going to make it far easier to make a journalist interested in what they're talking about. And, like, how important is... You know, exclusivities, we talked about chopping up mm-hmm. interviews and like going out to different journalists. Is exclusivity an important part for the story? Um, and what about in terms of the relationship with the, the influencer or the, you know, notable individual? Do you have to be exclusive with them or is it more tactical than that? So I guess with the journalists and kind of creating the story, um, we will um, think about sort of who we can go out to to kind of talk about an exclusive opportunity. And we have kind of, I guess, a good pool of journalists that we know are usually open to that discussion. Um, So we'll speak to them, find out the types of questions they want to ask, and we'll agree sort of a number of specific exclusive questions that we will ask in that interview. Um, And then... Once the interview is complete, we will send over the answers to those specific questions. Um, and quite often we'll agree sort of a time frame of exclusivity as well. So that journalist will get sort of first go at the person and the story and those specific quotes before we outreach wider. And that can be really helpful for kind of getting you know, coverage off the ground, links off the ground. These are journalists that we're working with really regularly. And, you know, we know their linking policy. Like, we know if they're able to give us followed links, for example, which are sort of more valuable to our clients, whether they're likely to just give us coverage or sort of in what way they're able to use the story. So by having those people kind of able to speak to before we go ahead, it can really kind of line up some great results for us early on, which is always, you know, good to get off the mark. It's practical as well. You know, I think there's probably the tendency away from the major, major heavyweight campaigns that, you know, have been... uh, more typical in the past. I think clients are looking for more reactive, um, quick to achieve results, mm-hmm. that type of thing. And another benefit of this approach is that there's not really major designer development requirements. You can just host this interview on um, you know, a blog section or news section, which is you know also very important for brands in retail or travel or um, finance in particular who might have a very locked down website they can't easily add exciting creative campaign content without a six-month uh, dev queue. So that's a really important part. But in terms of the questions themselves, like where do they come from? Because it must be a bit of a balance between what is appropriate for the individual, but what is newsworthy, but also what is on brand. So how do you develop these questions and yeah, who's responsible for that? Yeah, it really is a balancing act. Like you say, there's a lot that kind of goes into creating what those questions look like. We'll often have sort of topics that those names are willing to discuss and we'll have that discussion with the agent before, making sure sort of, I think like you touched on mine, like 
making sure they're happy with what they're going to go into, kind of they know what they're expecting. Um, so you might end up with some no-go areas that even though they could be really newsworthy, we can't go near. So it's good to know if there are any no-goes kind of before you go into the interview and anything gets awkward, like you know exactly what you can't ask. Um, we then, like you say, we have to think about what is trending in the news. Is there sort of any breaking news happening at the mm. moment that we can really tap into? Like you say, it's a really fast turnaround tactic. So it might be that you already have an interview booked for Wednesday and that morning a big breaking news story breaks and we can update our questions quickly to make sure we cover it. Um, we'll also kind of think about what's worked well in the past, what sorts of questions, I guess the way that we phrase questions, like how we got the most out of different people. Um, and then think about upcoming events. So thinking about how we might be able to use the quotes reactively. So thinking about, you know, you might be thinking about sort of something that's happening just that coming weekend, but actually there's a major event coming up in sort of two months' time. And you're like, well, actually, I could ask this person about that yep. and get some really great quotes from that as well. So, yeah, a lot goes into it. Um, I know I mentioned like we have sort of ex-journalists in the team. and I think we always try and make sure they're involved in those questions because they do sort of have that sort of experience of interviewing people and getting great answers out of them. So thinking about how the questions are phrased, for example, and also just tapping into people's passions. So, you know, from a sport perspective, but also like if, you know, you're interviewing an ex-Love Islander, there's no point in me, someone who doesn't watch Love Island, drafting these questions. I'm not going to be able to get anything interesting out of these people. So you've got to find the people who are passionate about those topics they'll have the little tidbits that, you know, yeah. someone else won't think of. So it can't just be one person blanket always does the questions because ultimately you're not going to find that really unique hook that is going to get you that mass coverage. Well, and that's kind of what greases the wheels across the board is that authenticity as well. That's what really unlocks the, you know, the coverage potential. Um, I think it's a really interesting niche when it comes to this type of thing where you've got um, the opportunity to... You know, be timely, be relevant, be quick off the mark, but then also, you know, bank some quotes for later in the year if you know there's certain things that come up on a seasonal basis. Like I don't know, well, we, obviously we know Christmas comes up every year for for you know as far as we know. Um, so that kind of thing, you know, banking quotes for Valentine's Day, uh, Black Friday, all this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you can make one single interview go quite far, and yeah, asking the right questions will you know make that individual. Uh, more forthcoming and they'll you know give their insights and perspectives and uh, funny entertaining insightful uh, tidbits um, kind of in a more enthusiastic way I guess I mm-hmm. think that's probably what we want most of all but you know it is um, it is PR so there are ups and downs so like are there any pitfalls associated with this methodology things that people should watch out for risks to avoid Yeah, I think, you know, all the benefits that we've talked about, like being quick turnaround and you know adding that sort of authentic voice to your campaigns is very true. There's loads of positives, but also you are at just of them at the mercy of what is said in that interview. Mm. And you know, someone might have an off day or, you know, they just might not be that into it. Or you know, for whatever reason, you're asking them questions that you think are foolproof and you're just not getting the content back. And that is always a risk with mm. a tactic like this. And that can happen whether it's someone from outside your organisation or it can happen if you're interviewing someone within your organisation too that you don't, you just can't get the content out of them. And, you know, there is a monetary aspect to this where you're paying sort of a lot sort of often for those names or influences mm. to be involved. So it can feel very frustrating if you don't really get the great quotes that you want. 
Um, hopefully, you know, with expertise, you can try and mitigate that as much as you possibly can, but it's never a guarantee that you're going to get amazing content from yeah. every single interview and that's probably the biggest risk that we come up against obviously yeah definitely and people do have off days or you know certain celebrities are accustomed to being you know a little bit entitled and all this kind of stuff <laughs> but i think that's where you know we can de-risk as much as we physically conceivably can i think going into this with eyes open is really important for any type of pr campaign um and also when it comes to um you know amplifying the results as well there's, you know, ways to get around um, an, an interview that doesn't give you exactly what you want with adding extra tenacity to outreach. It might, mm-hmm. you know, break through that way as well. So there are ways and means. But, it, yeah, it, it is a tricky one when it comes to if people just aren't playing ball or you're not getting quite what you expect. Um, and I think, you, you know, you mentioned internal um, interviews as well. So this is, again, something that is quite common, you know, getting exclusive interviews or comments or quotes from internal experts. And Mm -hmm. I think from some of the campaigns I've seen over the years, one of the frustrating things there can be, or the risks can be, really, really clever subject matter experts who are unable to boil down (laughs) their expertise in a newsworthy way. So they they have all of the attributes and all the credibility, but it's not going to be a hook. Yeah, 100%. And like, you know, when you're just like, you know this so well, but I also can't really understand what you're saying in a way that makes sense to me because they're so sort of focused on the intricate details of what they know so much about. And um, so trying to pull pull at the strings, pull at the threads and try and get that sort of out of them to create the newsworthy hook can mm. sometimes be a challenge. Like I, rec- I recall the pandemic being quite a fruitful time, ironically, for um you know, finance news because there was so much in, mm-hmm. about the economy going on and it was a request from journalists for, like, you know, commentary on how things were moving. Um, you know, quite uh, time-sensitive opportunities, but mm-hmm. if someone comes back with a quote of 850 words that a journalist can't copy and paste into their article, it's a, a missed opportunity. So, yeah, so it's not all about the credibility and relevance of the individual. They've also got to be able to have their stuff uh, in a digestible format that a casual reader will get. It'll stop somebody scrolling. That's what justifies the coverage and what justifies the link through to your site. Um, I guess we've touched upon this already, but have you, are you ever surprised about the content of some of these interviews, what people come up with, any un, unsuspect, unsuspected, unthought-of uh, answers? Definitely. Um, I think you can tell when people have a lot of experience doing this sort of activity so whether it's sort of with from an agency perspective like we're doing it or they've been kind of regular um talking heads on tv or they've been kind of commentators or they're used to kind of you know sharing things on twitter like you can definitely tell the people who can like really identify what is going to cut through Mm -hmm. and i guess you know we're talking about the benefit for us and our brands that we work with but we are also sort of supporting their profile like the more that they're seen in the press and actually having really interesting and insightful opinions is obviously good for their profile as well and i think some of them really see that and it becomes a really kind of mutual benefit i think we talked to um an ex-tennis coach who had um previously coached Serena and Venus Williams um Rick Mackey and he his whole interview was just full of headlines like it was like he was an absolute pro at coming up with those mm. quotes that would just get instant cut through 
um, with one of his sort of offering to train a tennis play- American tennis player who was like, oh, I'd love to train her. She got knocked out of Wimbledon first round, I think. We outreached that quote and it went literally everywhere. Um, but it was only, it, we could only use it in the way that we wanted to because he'd phrased it Absolutely, in like such yeah. a great way. So it is always like exciting to speak to people who really get it because they can just give us that great insight. Well, I think the phrasing is a really good point. And I think... You know, perhaps counterintuitively to some people, I think positive campaigns and quotes actually go over better. You know, Mm -hmm. some people would try similar approaches to this where they'll try and get, I don't know, influencers to critique other influencers or tear people down, that type of thing. But really, it seems like there can be lots of positive angles that do cut through because although emotion is a lot of what ends up being the driving force of campaigns, you know, something that's funny or despairing or infuriating you know that's the type of thing that journalists often like because it stops people scrolling gets them to click and read or listen or whatever you know those positive emotions are just as powerful as well like hope aspiration amusement entertainment uh, all that type of stuff so I think that's also a good point to bring up as well you know some of these people like um, that that tennis professional that you mentioned having a more positive approach can definitely uh, cut through as well yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is definitely a tactic where it doesn't need to be all doom and gloom. Like, I think these experts can talk really passionately about things that they love or, like, things that they're seeing emerging mm. that they're really excited about, and that becomes really insightful as well. Um, so, yeah, we can definitely put... There definitely should be a, a positive spin on a lot of this content. And, like, I know in the past I've worked with influencers... On, we worked on a campaign around Mother's Day and like going on holiday with your mum, um, and like the that being a growing trend. And we worked um, with Vogue Williams, and she gave us some amazing quotes about sort of going on holiday with her mum and how it made her feel and how it's a real benefit, and that sort of thing. Like it doesn't have, it wasn't meant to be negative at all. It was yeah. a real positive celebration of being able to spend time with your mum sort of post-COVID and sort of that as like a travel trend Um, and that kind of got really nice pick up and you know it wasn't it definitely didn't have to be negative at all so yeah definitely important to focus on the positives as well as sort of stuff that might create a bit of controversy. Yeah I mean and hopefully that reassures people listening to this who might be a little bit on the fence about the brand implications for this you know having an outsider you know be part of a PR campaign um, you know, I think that positive mindset and positive um, campaign focus can uh, benefit brands. And, you know, as you said, Laura, as well, you know, there are benefits to the individuals taking part in this as well, because we're basically promoting them as well, which is, you know, probably in part wise is one of our more cost effective um, service lines, because, mm-hmm. you know, they are quite keen to uh, reap the benefits of having an agency like us promote their words and phrases to the wider world. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of those wider campaigns, you know, what does um, this methodology have in common with other creative campaigns? Is this something that's best done in isolation? Is it something that can be done blended with other types of formats for PR campaigns? I think it can really do both. So we've worked with clients where, you know, this interview tactic is kind of the only kind of part of our work with them. Um, and we kind of just really focus in on that sort of month to month. And, and that works really well. Um, but we can also kind of work with clients and kind of alternate it in or just use it as sort of one of our tactics, maybe a couple of times a year. Um, very much dependent on the brand, but it does kind of lend itself to being 
quite a nice sort of additional tactic in a month or if you know there's the right event coming up or something is happening where it would make sense for our brand to be commenting on it but like I said they maybe don't have someone who wants to be that spokesperson this can be a really nice way for us to hook on to something that feels really relevant and um, so yeah I think it definitely can kind of you know work in any way that kind of feels like it makes sense sort of for us as part of our strategy making sure that we're getting the right coverage the right links for the client um, and kind of making it form part of an overall approach yeah it makes perfect sense and definitely the idea that you know you can just give it <laughs> you can give it a try yeah in a way that you know giving a try to a you know a, a five month um heavyweight campaign with like a, a massive all thing all done thing microsite it requires a bit more time and attention and thinking this is a bit more approachable from a trial basis as well yeah um that said, though, not every um, service is suitable for everybody. Do you feel that like this um, approach is particularly suited for certain industries or certain types of brand? Yeah, I think from our experience, I feel like I've, I have already touched on sport, but it does lend itself to that sporting landscape. Um, there's obviously a lot of different sports and different people you can speak to. So we've done stuff across kind of, you know, Premier League and football in the UK, but also NFL in the US, um, as well as sort of tennis, cricket, golf. Like there's loads of opportunity in that landscape. And I think obviously that can work for, say, a sports betting brand, but I think it could work for any brand that has an affinity to sport. So if you have a blog where you could host some really interesting interviews with ex-sports players and it would feel relevant, like, clothing retail for example I think that could really work and it could add some really kind of unique interesting content and mm. um, so that's where I guess a lot of our experiences but it definitely works for kind of lifestyle more consumer brands where we've tapped into say reality tv stars for example um, and I know you mentioned sort of finance earlier sort of it's very you know it's a, a mile away from speaking to an ex-love islander but expert comment in finance is a key tactic we use for a lot of clients mm. so definitely kind of works for maybe industries that feel very far apart but the same principles can kind of be um, used to make sure it works across those different sectors Um, but I think in terms of I guess sectors where it doesn't work is quite hard I think it's more thinking does it make sense for this person to be talking to my brand and if that if you can't answer that or it feels a bit iffy, it probably isn't the right tactic for you and or that's probably not the right person for your brand. I think most brands could benefit from expert commentary of mm. some sort. It's just working out who that person should be and making sure that the questions and the topics are super relevant. I think that's really important. Like, So, yeah, not just to see a campaign that's gone really well and say, I want one of those. Yeah. Like, think, like, what would be best for your brand? Like, what type of individual? And it might not be, like, a global celebrity. It might be somebody who is an expert in paint thinners, who is the ultimate authority. I don't know. I don't know if a lot of names of expert paint thinner um, industry people off the top of my head, but I think that's you know something to consider. Like who will have cut through with your audience and industry press? So we talked about this in a, a kind of a B two C context, but B two B is also like a really heavy duty opportunity for this type of thing. Again, you're still talking about unlocking coverage, still talking about um, sort of using the outsourced trust of a known name to help you open doors that were previously closed, or if not closed, a bit sticky. Um, But, yeah, I think there's lots of food for thought there. And I think we've covered methodology, we've covered brands, we've covered some of the pitfalls. 
what it is, what P, what digital PR is more generally. So I guess a nice um, uh, easy question to wrap up on would be what kind of influencer or celebrity would you most want to collaborate with? Is it like a dream individual or a series of individuals you'd most like to um, have on board? Oh, it's a it's a big question and there could probably be um, hundreds of names that would be great to work with. I guess to tap into some of my passions, if I think about sport, then my passion would be wrestling. Um, I'd love to sit down with Becky Lynch and talk about sort of her journey and what she's done for women's wrestling over the last 10 years. So she really is sort of a, at the forefront and very much a pioneer of changes to women's wrestling over sort of the last decade. I think it'd be great to talk to her um, specifically about kind of the past, present and future of that division. Um, so yeah, any wrestling fans out there will know what I'm talking about. But yeah, I think if I think about my passions, that would probably be Number one. That's a niche reference. I'm probably going to feel like <laughs> I'd love to get Beyonce for a local blinds company in Wakefield or something. But no. But yeah, I think that's a really good um, point to finish on as well. You know, if it, it's like you know, a win-win all round if you can work with people who you do have an interest in, because they can pick up on if we as an agency are inauthentic or just seeing them as a resource. It's good if there is um, benefits to them beyond the financial and benefits to the client, obviously, from getting a more authentic. Um, you know, tangibly enjoyable um, interview out of people as well. I think that's kind of what opens doors with uh, um, journalists likewise. They can get that sense of authenticity and hopefully that means people will open up a bit more with those newsworthy quotes. So, yeah, let's uh, wrap up there for now. I think we've covered pretty much all aspects of this particular um, stream of digital PR. So, yeah, just last thing to say, thanks, Laura, for being on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me.